Hello, and welcome to episode 278 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Philip Myra, creator of the Purple Eye Anthology, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Oh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Let's do as we normally do. We, we ask for two things when we get started. We ask for a quick bio and then an elevator pitch for, for the book. Sure. Uh, so my name is Phil Myra. I'm a comic book writer from Chicago. And uh, most of my stories are short stories that are a mix of magical realism, drama, or a slice of life. And the latest project is just a continuation from there. Uh, it's an expansion upon a short story that um, Sean Dicker and Justin Birch and I created last year called Purple Eyes. And the premise is 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn a vibrant purple. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to fix it. It's not like a, you can't go to the doctors and it'll reverse whatever ailment you have. You can't choose, uh, you know, you can't just have a different choice and and you'll be okay. It's 100% accurate and it affects all living human beings. And uh, yeah, so after we wrote and created the first story, there was there was something about that premise, and it it invites it invites many ideas for many genres. And so I created or I sent up uh, an open pitch submission. I ended up getting 185 pitches. With wild, with the craziest ideas and fantastic artists, and just different genres between sports and heartache and revenge and comedy and all all the all the good stuff in between, uh, and then you know traditionally superheroes, but uh, yeah, there after 185 pitches, it was very very hard to narrow it down to what would actually fit in the anthology. So originally I was budgeting for about 12 stories. The final book has 18 stories just because I couldn't say no to a lot of just amazing creators, but also it gives a fuller variety of genres and artistic styles and storytelling styles that 18 seemed to be the bare minimum that would, uh, that would make this book truly unique. So yeah, so we've been, the creators and I have been meeting at least like once a week for the past couple months. Uh, just, you know, do regular meet and greets because there's 33 creators. But one thing that's unique, and I kind of mentioned this before, like we view this as a world. And we want, we've been trying very hard and putting a lot of effort in to find the best ways to link these stories, to make it feel like a fuller experience. Like you can call them Easter eggs. You can call it um, like crossover, I suppose, in its own, uh, if you want to use the comic book, uh, lexicon but the when you go through and read the story you're going to see these connective threads that we we've tried very hard to put in place and try to make as full of experience as possible and because it's comics and you know we all kind of kind of binge read comics uh over the weekend uh we tried giving an incentive to actually go back and read some of the stories and see exactly uh the little little nuggets of of information that we, we hid throughout the book. Very cool. Well, it sounds like a really, really interesting concept that would yeah. lend itself really well to, to an anthology. But if we could take a, take a step back, you said that this was a, a short story. I think you 
did you write it with a, with a couple of partners or was it a creative, um, you know, exercise that you had? What is your role in, in, in comics? Are you a writer, a writer, artist? What's, 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 you know, your, your, um, you know, creative background? Yeah, my skill set is in comics writing. Uh, I don't do prose. I just, I mean, I focus on comics writing. So I just love the medium so much. And uh, as mentioned in the intro, like I, I focus on short stories. So I have three self, um, self-contained anthology series similar. They're a little bit, sorry, not similar, but they're a little bit different than this. All the stories within uh, those anthologies are stories written by myself. And then I've been f- way fortunate enough to collaborate with amazing artists from all over the world. And those are the Crackle anthologies. And after uh, last year was the release of Crackle 3, and then had another uh, very successful Kickstarter. And in that anthology was the Purple Eye story. And that was, that was I think that was the last story written and the last story drawn for that anthology. and. You know, it was the one that lingered the most. I know it was the most recent one, but as far as uh, like any writing advice for any younger, like newer uh, writers out there and storytellers, like like I focus on short stories and short stories have a beginning, middle and end. I don't see, I know this is a rare instance, but like I don't, when I write the short story, I don't think of it as a small pitch I can show someone to pay me money and the creator's money to like make a longer story. Like it should, all the stories that I create with like with the artists, we, we make it finite. You know, we won't, we have that, those enticing points that kind of linger in your brain and you, you want more, but it's succinct enough and complete enough where you've, where it is like a, a true short story. So, that's how the original Purple Eyes story was, but the premise itself is what we want to expand upon. And yeah, it's just, we're just so excited. We've been working very hard on this. Yeah. So I'm looking at your website right now and where do you find all these amazing artists? Like, and it, it's really cool because it's like all your different short stories have a different, like there, there's a, every one of them sort of has a, I guess a somber tone to it is what I'm seeing. Um, but all the art styles themselves are different. Like they all have this, like, you know, like it's, it's like you really run the gambit of art styles and, and how do you pick out the artist for the, the story? Or is it something where you see the artist and you work with them one-on-one with, with crafting the short story? I've been very, very, I keep saying, it's been lucky and fortunate where I've written short stories, even from the my first one, I've completed the script and then I sought out the artists. So my methods, at least when I started doing this about four years ago, was I was, it was around October. So, um, so I was looking at Inktober and, you know, when Inktober was at its height, uh, there were just, everyone was, putting you know sharing on social media just amazing art so all i did was uh for twitter i just narrowed it down for the hashtag but also the so people with the word comics in their profile so that way i can see even if they're just doing an illustration i can see their background and portfolio and usually their pen tweet with their website with comic work and that's where i found hannah 
Emma Vensel uh, from Germany. We've, we've worked with four stories together. She did my first story. Uh, I've edited some stuff for her, which it's just like crazy to think it was just this random Inktober sketch that she did. And she's like, I don't do comics anymore. I stopped doing that. I'm like, well, I got a five page story if you're interested. And then, and then we, we created it and we've actually created four stories total. And now she's, that's what she does professionally full time. Now she's a comic book artist in the German market. And she, she, I, I got her out of retirement. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's that like nowadays I got a good rhythm um, as far as I got, not a rhythm, but like a good uh, like notepad, uh, just like a, I'm, it's probably more efficient way, but I just have like a, a notepad text file of people's names, how I f- saw their work first and their social media uh, profiles. But um, yeah, what's really good now, like since October's not, not, you know, viable, uh, I use I use Portfolio Day. I know some people, are, some artists are kind of iffy about it. Like, why am I posting this? You know, it happens four times a year. But for me, I I I don't look day of. But if I have a completed script, I'll I will do the same thing. I'll look I'll look by the hashtag Portfolio Day and look for people with comics in their uh, in their profile. And same thing with Visible Women. I use both those hashtags mostly find artists. And I've been like very fortunate, but uh, the creator advisor um, Twitter page has I've I've posted and I've asked them like, hey, uh, I'm seeking an artist. Do you mind just retweeting this tweet that that has all the information of the completed script and that's a paid opportunity and um, you know uh, a loose deadline. I like to plan very much ahead, and I've, I feel like I've found three three artists through there that we've have completed stories, at least two. Maybe I'm thinking of, of someone that, that filled in as a colorist, but I've found at least two main artists I can think of. And yeah, it's it's like making the social media work for you. Because um, there are there's so many amazing artists out there that are both fantastic illustrators and colorists and letterers, but also, beyond amazing storytellers. And that's what this medium is. It's selling a story and finding those pure collaborators that will just enhance your ideas and challenge you and you challenge them uh, in, in a friendly way, not just like you're late on your deadlines. But, you know, the, the end result that I always say with, um, you know, with the collaborators, even if I go with cold emails, like the script is, Step one, if something needs to be revised, I'll revise it. Like comics is a visual, it's it's very visual. If, if, if you think some panels would be combined or cut or things, you know, I'm too wordy because I'm a, I'm a writer. So I might throw a lot of words in the dialogue. Um, I trust, like I trust their vision and mm. just constantly repeating that you trust your artists and tell them you trust their vision. I've never had a story that I was not proud of. I, every single story that I've ever had, I've been, I keep saying fortunate because I know a lot of horror stories between um, you know, fellow writers that they're not proud of some work, that they're either not happy with their personal effort in it or that they felt they, they were in the wrong collaboration artistically. Um, but I, I can probably say I can look through any of of the three crackle books that I have, which I think is closer to like 
a little over 20 short stories. So if I look, if I look through those, I, I, I can just smile and like know that I put my best effort in the artists and I have put our best effort in. And that hopefully should transfer over to the reader who feels it, like I said, to circle back to what I was mentioning, that it feels like a completed story. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, like you're not writing a scene. You're like writing like a beginning, middle and end type of thing. So do you have uh, like a like a sweet spot you find for, for a page count uh, that most of your short stories fit to? Or is that something that you can play a little loose with? If it, you know, if, if you're able to accomplish it in four, it's four. If it has to go to eight, it's eight. Like, um, do, do you have a sort of philosophy there? Yeah, I kind of have, well, my rule of thumb, at least for how I structure thinking about the final physical book, is that it would need to be an odd page number because I have, for my work, I always have, even with this Purple Eyes anthology, it, the first page on the left side is a title card um, with the creative team. Okay. On the right side is page one. So the page turns are on the odds. Uh, and then, you know, obviously letting the creators know that uh, upfront is very helpful. And also I always put that at the top of my page one of my script, like page turns on the odds. But for me, I, I feel now I get more toward the seven page mark. Like last, a couple of years ago, I was aiming toward five pages and the rhythm was kind of like one page, you know, one page intro, three pages in the middle and one page end. And now I can kind of expand that out and, um, even if it's like some of my more surreal magical realism stories, they uh, they kind of play, they change scenes and they change locations. And that's kind of why, where that extra couple pages go. Um, and that, like I said, just makes it feel more, more fuller of a story if you change scenes and the color palette's completely different, the location's different, so yeah. And, and do you have, uh something that usually sparks an idea is it is it a person is it a, is it a theme or could it just be you know any, any one of those like I, i'm thinking about like the this purple eyes story like it seems like the the concept might have been something that you came up with first and then you're like you know i'm gonna write a story i gotta give you a, i give the reader a character that they that they can root for that they can follow along for like do you do you tend to be concept first character first or a combination of, of the two i'd say a combination of the two uh the big thing why i call myself like a drama writer slash life writer is because my i'm very character driven characters need to make for me characters making choices and making that visible and understandable to the the reader so like i'll start with kind of like a scenario or like a choice someone needs to make um, at least for this purpleized one, the concept came first because it is the supernatural. So the concept came first of a more um, noticeable, predominant visualization of death, and like that—that that is 100% guaranteed. But also that um, that others can know. Like I just thought that would be a unique. It's kind of like a. I always feel like it's kind of like a manga type of premise. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought that was, there was something there. So then after I had that, and the 73 minutes was kind of 
uh, if you want to know how the sausage is made, it's just kind of like an arbitrary um, number to choose from knowing that it's not enough time to do what you would end up wanting to do. It's very, very minimal. If, you know, even if you were just um, calling your loved ones, it's still not enough to call all your loved ones and have the conversation you want. Like it's, I want it to be something where, you know, as the reader, you can reflect on what would you spend that time with, but also realizing that it's, it's so, so limited and painfully um, abrupt that, that, yeah, it's, it'll just, it's more anxiety inducing of like choosing the right, what, you know, do you choose to quote unquote further your legacy and like make, make your last moments worthwhile and have other people remember you or do you do something you've always wanted to do and just have like a personal moment and mm -hmm. just, it's like all things like that. And then if you want to go visit a family member, you know, you're wasting in there, if they're in the same town, you're wasting so much time, just transportation and, you know, and with anything, because it is an abrupt thing of death, your, uh, you know, your wits might not be about you. You, you would like any of us, you'd naturally panic mm -hmm. um, and just kind of just run on impulse. But once you know, once that was established, how I usually view things is, like I said, character focus. So I had two ideas of a of like a young woman, uh, like a young girl, like probably about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. And um, she's already, I think it's actually, I think you can remember, I think she's actually younger in the script around 10. But, but the thing is, it's an extension of how women have to view themselves or have to be cognizant of their appearance in, in our world. Um, and it's only enhanced within this world of the purple eyes, at least for this, the initial story where a young woman is starting to, you know, understand herself more, but is constantly checking out her appearance. She's constantly afraid of getting the purple eyes. Uh, she's carrying, she always carries a mirror with her. She's always checking it. She just, she's, She's just so worried about it, but it's also just a commentary. On, like I said, of young young women have to constantly notice their appearance, be cognizant of how they they look, and for in society, even at such a like a very very young age. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, I had another character that he he doesn't know about death that much or like his parents kind of shielded him from it. And then that was, um, you know, that was a kind of reflection upon how, you know, you learning about death is almost reactive. So like your parents be like, well, grandma's not going to be around anymore. It's usually not something of how the world works. You usually tell your children, at least from my recollection, how I was brought up, but the idea, like, it's usually based off of when you're, like, at the funeral home um, type of thing or going to the funeral home. It's not, you know, it's not like this is how the world works. You know, some, you know it's not like, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it, it's not like Mufasa talking to Simba. <laughs> <in the front laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, I had those disparate ideas. And then Sean, I was talking to Sean Dicker about it. Like I said, who's a fantastic artist. Um, and he said, make them siblings. And then um, kind of from there, uh, everything spawned as far as making it, you know, making it remote. So there's no parents. So it's very focused on the kids. Um, they live in the remote woods. But yeah, so after, after the Supernatural-esque concept is solidified and the characters are there from there it's for me i uh, i bullet point on no on a notepad um like a spiral notebook and bullet points equal what needs to happen per page and then i just kind of play around with the bullet points and then hit hit uh right in the script and then once the script's done uh on in the notebook uh, and it looks like a madman wrote it because it's just like I'm constantly like twisting the the notebook. So like I, if I'm running out of room, I like put it on its like side and then write dialogue or like more descriptions and circle things and arrows are flying around. Um, yeah, and then that's that's draft one. Uh, draft two is transferring what's all there, making it precise and putting it in just a word document. And then that's when I personally start seeking out uh, collaborators because at that point we have we have a story to discuss and what works, what doesn't work, um, and it's easier, especially with Colt. Like I said, I've I've been very fortunate to, to have a bunch of cold like cold email artists or cold contact artists with the script. And the, you know, the collaboration has been fantastic, but that initial conversation of here's the full idea, you know, if you, if you want, if you enjoy it, then, then yeah, we can talk more, we can talk page rates, but if you don't enjoy it, then that's perfectly fine too. But at least I'm not wasting their time. You know, I'm the only time I'm wasting is them reading the script versus a month going back with emails while I'm still in the process of doing things and, you know, and then eventually it may or may not fizzle out. So that's why I try to have a completed script, at least for my, my short stories. Like I haven't, I haven't really done any, I have not done a longer narrative, like a one shot, like around a 20 pager. Um, but I would still, I would still for me have a large chunk or the, or the whole thing done before seeking out artists because then you then if they say yes then you can pretty much get the ball rolling as long as their schedules are open that's where the fun begins that's awesome so when you're uh like now when you're like looking through submissions and things like that are you finding like uh you're, you're almost like learning about people with how they handle their stories and things like that you know um because uh, with 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 purple eyes the concept of it it has to be very revealing internally when you're yeah. writing it and and everything like that are, are you almost sort of like do you feel like you're like getting like connected like you feel like you're almost going off of a connection when you're looking at these at yeah. these pitches and things yeah especially with the pitches there were quite a lot and most of us probably all of us listening to this can relate. There was a lot of pitches of getting purple eyes at work and your boss not letting you leave. And then you just storming out. There were a lot of those. <laughs> and I was like, 
I was like, yeah, I can see. It's, it was interesting watching how people resolved it too. Some of it, some people left it, um, that was the ending. And I remember there was one really good one that almost made it, uh, that had some pretty good details, but it ended with the main character actually leaving work and going, going to surf because the main character always wanted to surf. Um, so yeah, there, there are some revealing things. It's, um, there are, there's one story in here that really got caught me. Um, uh, William McLaughlin sent in, he emailed me his pitch and it was, um, a story of a, a man going through facial reconstruct, facial reconstruction surgery. Um, you know, and there's the tension of that. And in his, in his email, he's like, I'm basing this off what happened to me. It's like, I had to have facial reconstruction surgery, you know, during COVID. And it's kind of just like that, that tension of like not knowing and just like all the crazy stuff. I'm like, holy smoke. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic artist um, and storyteller, but just like that level of like, not personality, but like, his person like his essence is going to be in the story and, and you know just reading and talking with him I can I can tell this is gonna be a personal story there's there's a few personal stories um, um, we have Devaki and CJ Salamander uh, I forgot how to pronounce Devaki's last name I'm, ter- I'm, I'm always terrible at pronouncing people's names I'm so sorry but Devaki and CJ CJ Salamander um, are in the south of India and they're doing a story based off of kind of like their culture within that region, which is going to be f- fantastic. Um, Devaki is an amazing, amazing artist. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting what, what people choose, uh, but everyone that's part of this, uh, you know, it's, they're giving a part of themselves to it. Like I can tell that they're, they're speaking with all these creators and constantly in email chats and, and doing the Zoom meetings. Um, everyone's super excited, but everyone, like I said, is kind of giving a part of themselves either um, through their hot, like they're putting like their hobbies or they're putting their personal self in the stories. Not like, well, not like not, not known to plume, whatever it's called. Not like it's not like you're putting yourself in to not putting themselves, but like, yeah, I don't know how else to put it other than it. Every single creator, this this means something to them. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't like, hey, I got an anthology and cool that you know I can show my friends and family in six months. It's like no, they're proud of this work and they're proud of the work that we're all doing. So I, I've just been very lucky that I've chosen. Uh, just skilled creators, but people that put their full heart in, into this anthology, but also in their own personal work. So, with the with the Crackle anthologies, you were you were the the writer working with different artists, but in this one, you know, you are you're letting people um, team up. Did people come to you as you know create uh, whole teams, or did you do any uh, matchmaking? Like, if you had a a really good story and, and an artist that maybe you had seen, you know, through any of your internet searches, you, you put them together today, or did most people come as a, a collected team? 
It was then they had to come as collective team. Okay. Part of the requirement of the pitch was at least if you, if you can do both roles, but a writer and an, a main artist needed to be chosen. It was okay if uh, a color or a letter wasn't on board at that point, uh, but at least the main, you know, like I said, if, if you can do both roles, then that's, you know, you're superhuman because I can't do that because <laughs> I'm a writer. But uh, yeah, not matchmaker this time because because I knew of the scope of this, that um, trying to trying to find trying to do that matchmaker thing wasn't going to work just because of the nature of linking the stories and the genres and stuff. Um, but yeah, like I just I got so many new friends now, so, so many new people that I want to make stories with um, that. I'm not gonna say I was never going to like know about their work, but probably would have took me you know six months to a year before I was aware of them. You know, indie comics is small, but with anything with social media, you know, you only see so much stuff. And as soon as someone retweets or likes something, and they're like, "Oh," I was like, "How did I never know about this artist?" And they have you know three thousand followers and have been publishing for six, seven years. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that experience uh, inverts into the reader, where the reader might have an entry point of one of the creators, or they just think it's cool, and they learn about more unique creators um, that are in, like, North American comics or indie comics uh, that they would be exposed to, whether, whether whatever skill set it is, whether even if it's a colorist or a letterer. If you have Fantastic letters. We have Justin Birch's a Ringo nominated letter. Michael Myers is a Ringo nominated letter. Kyla Smith or Ka- Kyla Aiko, they work with uh, uh, one of the Shonens. I think it's regular Shonen Jump. I don't think it's Shonen Jump Plus. Wow. But yeah, like every like, <laughs> I mean that's a, I mean it's a thing. Um, yeah, letters are very important. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not a skill set you can. Uh, a think that you can just do over the weekend without prior prior experience, and B that's not something you could financially skimp on. Like, you know, bad lettering for me, it it not breaks a story, but I can just it, it gives me an, a physical eye roll because I'm just like, this this is the finish line, and you messed up type of thing. You, you fell on your face on the finish line. I'm sorry if that's too harsh, but yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, so I think we've covered a lot of the aspects of, you know, creation and uh, the, the, the book. Uh, I want to check in with Noah before we, we shift over to some crowdfunding questions to see if he has anything he wants to add. No, I was just going to agree with him about lettering because we, you know, Matt and I say it all the time that good lettering, well, everybody says it, good lettering goes unnoticed. But also I think, exceptional lettering enhances the story and I was looking at one of your pieces on crackle where it was just uh it was just a splash page and just this beautiful typography weaving in and out of a singular image and uh you know it's an illustration it's beautiful but like that enhanced the story of that image right there you know is that the track and field one yeah yeah that's Micah Myers I knew uh, Hannah did uh, that's another Hannah uh, Vensel illustration and she she's done 
uh, the lettering in the past, but I was like, especially that page, I'm like, you know, I, I trust Micah. I've known Micah for a couple of years. I was like, he, he will do this justice because it is such a visually linked between words and images and panel like slices, but it's one, like it's, it has, it has its own rhythm type of thing. And yeah, Micah did a fantastic job. Except he told me to cut some words. He said I was too wordy. But <laughs> cool. So uh, I think if I remember correctly through the the interview, it sounds like you've taken a couple of the other anthologies to, to Kickstarter. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, I did uh, my first adventure. Crazy enough. So my first Kickstarter was on June 15th of last year, and this current Kickstarter will end on June 15th. So, yeah, I've been kind of, kind of loving that platform. So I did a reprint of the first two Crackle books uh, last year, and because I figured there was an audience, like I've, I've sold them at conventions and I've sold them uh, directly to comic shops here in Chicago, but there's just... Uh, you know, I'm still kind of a, a no name. So I did reprints, uh, did fantastic. I, I did over 200 backers that knew nothing about me. And it wasn't like, I think I only had like two or three family members do it. And so it was like mostly just all new fans. Once those reprints were done and shipped out, out the door, uh, I think it was like two weeks later, I launched the one for Crackle Volume 3. And that was all the new stories that that I've been written. So it was a brand new book. I had everyone that had, in theory, had the book, you know, for like a for like a weekend or like a couple of weeks, and they can just jump right in and try to get the the next one. And uh, yeah, that went super well. That had 250 backers, uh, or just about 250 backers. I think it was like 246. Uh, international backers. Uh, it was it was very interesting tr trying to uh, to shift things to uh, Australia. I had four packages go to Australia and one to New Zealand, and shipping rates were pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I did figure out a trick. So um, so I used Pirate Ship because I got a label maker. So I used Pirate Ship to service kind of like Stamps.com. And uh, they have almost not a hidden feature, but they have like a specialty international rate where you just have to message on their chat feature when you log in. Be like, hey, can you activate the special export rate? I forget what it's called. Um, and that is for, it's like small, there's like a dimension. Like it can be, it has to be, the package has to be a certain dimension. It can't be more than four pounds. Uh, and forget like how I heard about it. And so I messaged him like, I'm like, is this like, is that it? Like, it, it just has to be like this size and like this weight. And I can, it's like a cheaper price to go international. And the person's like, yeah, I'm like, this is huge for comics. <laughs> how much are that big? And they're not, yeah. that and so, uh, their, their price point from recollection, I haven't done, I did it. It's, I did it three months ago and that feels like so long, but I did like beginning of January. Um, uh, the price points change by the pound, but, uh, it's like a flat rate. It's a flat rate for international and a little bit cheap. And then like, uh, another smaller, still cheaper rate for Canada. And the idea is that you, 
you ship to a you ship to like one of their warehouse facilities like the the label that you make and like print um is is for like one day shipping to like a u.s based place and then they'll send out all these packages whenever they get enough um so i experimented with that i only did it for the australians and um because i'm you know, I, I always give my collaborators two free copies of the book, their comp copies, regardless of where they live in the world. Not in, most of the collaborators I have don't live in America. They just, you know, they just live all over, all over the world. So, like, I sent, you know, I sent packages to Italy and France and Germany, Colombia, a uh, few to uh, India, and uh, and they all got their safe. Like, when you get the tracking code. You get a second tracking code that they call it because they're 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 nerdy, so they they like <clears throat> they like uh, all the pirate puns, so they call it an oh, ahoy tracking number. Um, and the idea is that you send it, you know, you send it to their facility, and that ahoy tracking number is your actual tracking number that they can track, um, you know, straight to that person's store. I feel like. Now, I think I sent a couple to the UK, UK and Ireland um, as well. So I sent them, I sent them both, knowing full well that uh, you know they're they're for friends, and if you know it wasn't for backers, so if things got lost, then I could just resend. Uh, and that worked really well. I mean, I always highly suggest, uh, especially in any con indie comics, like get uh, get a sh sh shipping label printer. I got one for my for my work that's super old, so I don't know what's the best thing on the market right now on you know Amazon or Office Max or wherever you know Office Supply Store is. But for me, uh, you know, I can do fulfillment, drop it off at uh, at my nearest post office, or just dump dump a whole bunch of them, uh, dump a whole bunch of Gemini mailers <laughs> in the post office. Um, you know, like when I'm out and about. And it's super easy. And then, like I said, the, the good thing is you can upload lists uh, of just names and addresses and emails, and it'll email the person their tracking number. So everything is pretty seamless. Uh, yeah, I was. I feel like I always talk about shipping. I, should, I talk about shipping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's definitely a, a, an aspect of, of it that you don't really think about when, when you get started. Um, to, but it's all it's, you know, one of the very last steps and it's, it, it is very important. So you ran a, these Kickstarters. Um, so you sort of know the the ups and the downs. You know, there's a there's the the uptick the first couple of days. There's, you know, a lot of action. Then you sort of hit the middle period, the dreaded dead zone. And then there's also a rush at the end. So you you you're aware of all of that stuff, but this time, which has got to be cool for you is that you have a lot more collaborators in the book. So hopefully, you know, that's a, that's a way for you to, to spread the message. Is that what you're hoping for here? Yeah. Everyone else has their own fan bases. Um, I'm not, we're not doing at this point, we're not doing like uh, giveaways or like games or anything to like fill up that low period. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing, bunch of great podcasts uh but uh the creators like i said have their own fan bases and people that want to read their stories so we just hope that in that lull period you know uh, hopefully a few social media posts 
will will give us a little boost. I've been I've been very lucky. Uh, I mean, I know there's work involved, but I have been very lucky that in both my Kickstarters, I never had a day without at least one backer uh, backing, which, uh, you know, talking with some friends, that's kind of like a soft goal. Now I'm going to jinx it, but like that's supposed to be like a soft goal that sometimes, you know, sometimes you can make it, sometimes you can't, you know, you can't really choose. But, uh, but yeah, and like, so we, we got, and you know, we got a couple incentives, the usual draw, draw yourself into the story. Uh, which is always fun with so many different creators. There's different uh, artistic styles. Uh, one of the things that was kind of neat was uh, this was Roberto Debuque's idea. He goes by Rad Pencils on all the social medias, if you're familiar. Uh, so for the custom commissions this time around, it'll be the usual you say which character you want. You know, it's a custom commission. Um, but instead of, you know, it's still going to be ink on paper, mm-hmm. but this time around, um, the only color that we use is purple. And so his idea was like doing the green goblin, but with like that purple in his suit. Um, so that's, that's going to be fun. There's a good chunk of the, the artists have, uh, have nominated themselves to, or offered, offered their artistic talents for custom commissions. And then we have something called uh, death cards. So these are little post-it size notes, uh, illustrations, little sketches of the Grim Reaper with with a violet, like a purple flower, and and uh, the they're not that much. They're they're only gonna be fifteen bucks, but the the incentive is that uh, you don't know who you're gonna get. So you're gonna we're gonna get them. All the artists are gonna send them, you know, send them to my place, and then you'll randomly get one of these death cards of the Grim Reaper. So it can just be like something that's super detailed and like kind of like horrifying or it might be something silly or it might just be like different pop culture references. <laughs> um, so like it, it's whatever the artists want to do type of thing, <laughs> as long as it has those two elements. And like I said, it's a small sketch. It's just on a note card, but it's something cool you can like put, put in a small frame, like a frame magnet and put it on your fridge or something, like put it on the wall. It's something little little neat thing we were trying to think of like ways like like, yeah we did we're like well we can do purple eye things like people with purple eyes but then if your friend's over you have to like explain what it is versus the grim reaper you know holding a flower is that that's kind of self-explanatory yeah so um when we're recording this this is uh i think the the day is this the night before you 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 launched the kickstarter correct yeah this is so you're going, you're going uh, May 10th till to when? June 15th. June 15th. That's right. You said that earlier. Cool. So um, let's let's close up the interview by telling people where the best place to to follow you uh, online is. Sure. I'm mostly on Twitter. Uh, my name Philip Myra. So P H I L L I P. M-A-I-R-A, same spelling on Instagram. Uh, I just like Twitter better because it's easier to share things and share friends things uh, and links. So I'm, I'm always on there. And as far as the Kickstarter goes, it's, uh, I mean, you can just type in Purple Eyes on Kickstarter or the URL 
purpleeyescomic.com will will forward you to where you need to go. So even if you know, even if you're listening to this in the far future, when the Kickstarter is already over with, that URL will point you to wherever the web store is that that'll get you that copy. Very cool. Well, we're gonna put links to to your IG, your Twitter, and we're gonna post this uh, on launch day. So we'll also. Um, include the the Kickstarter link uh, to make it as easy as possible for anybody listening. Just, you know, call up the show notes on your pod player, scroll down and hit that link. Um, but I'm going to check in with Noah to see if he has any, any final questions before we, we close up. No, just thanks for being overly generous with sharing all your knowledge. It was it's a very awesome of you to come on the show, obviously to promote this book, which is clearly something special, but also just to share your insights into creating. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. As far uh, I do want to do like a quick shout out uh, on Twitter, usually Thursday evenings, at least evenings for me here. Um, I do a, a Twitter space, and it's similar to to this, where uh, it's just a spot for comic creators to come and share knowledge and discuss problems that they've had, either with printing or just like part of the creation process, and everyone coming together and come up with solutions or discuss past experiences. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I love being on, in those Twitter spaces that some of my friends have. Some of them tend to be sales pitchy, like people just discussing what they're work, like what they're working on, what they're promoting. Mm-hmm. This is a very, this is the spaces for like the creation process, whether it be the artistic side, artistic side or the business side. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's always, always a, a good, um, it's always a good time. Like I always, I'm like, all right, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be an hour. And then it's always closer <laughs> to two hours because there's people pop in and out and, you know, everyone's from different parts of the world. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just where, whoever is a question about, like I said, either printing or making websites and newsletters, if you're in the business aspect or, uh, it was super interesting. A couple of weeks ago, we had four colorists from different parts of the world discussing the best way to calibrate like monitors and stuff and like the best, uh, some like uh, tips and tricks uh, between comics. And I think two of them did like digital media for professionally. Uh, and the, the quick uh, tip that, that, that ended up being kind of like a winner, I'm not sure uh, if, you know, if it worked, but, uh, one of the people suggested that comparatively looking at your iPhone, looking at images on your iPhone is c- very close to what it will look like printed. Um, cause that's a big thing with us. Like, you know, our digital comics, we, we hope that everything looks how it's supposed to look. And, you know, obviously things are going to look way different printed, but as far as we hope that the whoever's reading it their monitor or their phone or whatever or their ipad because you know I, a lot of creators or a lot of readers i know like reading uh comics on their ipad uh you just hope that the colors mm-hmm. especially well for me because now, now i'm sticking with this purple theme so i gotta really hope these yeah. colors <laughs> man okay that's really good to know because i found that to be the case um well i'm, I'm glad to know that i'm not crazy because i found that to be the case on the most recent book that Matt and I worked on 
I was mostly doing color correcting and maybe some things adding it to it, but I would do that. I would save drafts to Dropbox and then open it up on my phone and look at the colors on there. And that was, uh, yeah, that, that I agree. It, it really is, it, it really is helpful. Yeah, that Twitter uh, space uh, thing sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna have to try to drop in on one of those, uh, one of these, these Thursday nights. Yeah, we'd love to have both of you, Matt and Noah. Cool. All right. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on social media. Twitter is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics. Just once again, thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.